94.7 Kumu Kokua, because Kumu cares. We have on the phone the Lieutenant Governor of the State of Hawaii, Dr. Josh Green. Good morning, sir. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me. Let's go straight to the breaking news first. The CDC today has endorsed booster shots for millions of uh, you know older Americans, otherwise vulnerable Americans. Start off by understanding, helping us understand who, how do things change? What does that mean? Who can get the shots? When does it happen? Well, I'm glad that we're talking about this because it's kind of breaking news. Mm-hmm. Yes, Dr. Walensky uh, was on TV today and she announced that she's going to actually kind of uh, override or even boost up the booster proposal, which is to say at first it was going to just be 65-year-olds and older, Mm -hmm. which is a great move because those are the most vulnerable people in in our population. And when their immunity wanes and they catch COVID, the mortality rate is super high. But she also added uh, frontline workers and people who are at higher risk, specifically those who have uh, chronic disease, people with kidney disease, people who have cancer, those individuals also have mortality, have mortality rates that are like two, three, even 10 times higher in some circumstances. So this is what's going to be available. It'll be after six months. If you've been six months since your second shot and you're in these categories, 65 plus or with chronic disease between age 50 and 65, those groups will get the opportunity to get a third shot of the Pfizer. And then in the next couple of weeks, they're going to also approve the Moderna and Johnson & Johnson booster plan. looks like the Moderna will be a half dose uh, as a booster, but we wait for that information with everybody else. So I'm excited about this because Hawaii has done some things no one else has done. We touched 90%, 90% of all eligible individuals uh, initiating the vaccination over age 18. So all, all of our adults, 18 and older, 90% of them have at least started the vaccination. And we're over 67% fully vaccinated as a state now which is, I think, eighth best. So we've, you know, we've gone a long way toward immunity, but some of it's going to need to be kind of rebooted because some people got their second shot back in February, March, April, and they're rapidly approaching six months if it was April. So uh, let's get these booster shots going. And what we're seeing is a steep decline in our hospital numbers. I remember some people say, well, I had COVID. Do I have immunity? Well, you can get more immunity from the vaccine. And other people say, why do I actually have to be vaccinated at all? Well, that's how you avoid hospitalization. And so we peaked on September 3rd at 448 people in our hospital, and it almost crushed the system. Now we're down 41%, down to 266 individuals in the hospital. And though there have been some tragedies along the way, Hawaii has the lowest mortality rate in the country except for Vermont. So we've really lowered our hospital numbers to a much safer space. And that's how you end a pandemic. People get vaccinated, you don't have big gatherings, and you keep your hospital system intact. All right, thank you. Lieutenant Governor Josh Green on the line with us. So can you clarify for people, was that CDC approval specifically for Pfizer? In other words, if you got the Moderna or Johnson & Johnson shot, can you get a Pfizer booster? Is crossing vaccines recommended, or should people who got the other shots wait for the boosters for their particular shot? Uh, they should wait. Right now, the current recommendation is that you wait and you not cross over, although mm-hmm. there will be some guidance on these matters. Uh, the easiest thing to do is to stick with what you had before, because there's not a lot of data on what the crossover effects are of some of these vaccinations. I have heard some stories from patients that they've done it. They've gotten a booster from a different category. And it's just, you know, it's 
it's not the easiest thing to assess. But right now, stick with what you had. So if you had Pfizer, get the Pfizer. And in a week or two, once they give us a Moderna recommendation, they'll really be able to, you know, they'll be able to dive in also. The Moderna, one nice piece of news is the Moderna has been shown to be extraordinarily effective with two doses. People are now maintaining immunity for many months, and they're well up into the 90 percentile for protection. So it's just, you know, it's just really good how much protection people have gotten. And then, of course, as the viral load drops in society, just fewer people week over week, day over day being out there positive for COVID, you also have less risk. So, uh, you know, be patient. There's no reason to rush to get the booster, frankly, because people still have immunity. Uh, There had been even discussion about whether it should be eight months after the first shot, but they settled on six months, I think, uh, just because we're working out of an abundance of caution. We're heading into the fall where you have flu season in the fall. Coronaviruses have also, because they're upper respiratory viruses, have been a greater risk. And we just don't want to see another surge. I don't think we will have one. It's very unlikely in Hawaii because so many people are vaccinated. But some parts of our society are still highly vulnerable. Some communities are still only hovering around 50% vaccinated state. And that's going to mean lots of cases there. Mm. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, Lieutenant Governor Josh Green joining us here. Wanted to go to a question from Facebook uh, from Linda Dullen. What are the statistics for pediatric COVID cases in Hawaii? And uh, are they reported like mainland cities do? Yes, we do report our statistics for pediatrics, and we've had about 4,000 cases. Our pediatric cases overall have been between 18 and 20 percent, I believe, of all of the cases that have occurred. But the percentage of hospitalizations has been infinitely lower. Our hospitalizations for children has been just a tiny fraction of all hospitalizations. About 1 percent of those kids who have caught COVID had had to seek some form of hospital care, and very few have been in the hospital for extended periods of time, only a handful, although it's heartbreaking to see any child that sick. So we want to get people vaccinated that are younger. Soon you're going to hear the recommendation, I wouldn't be surprised if it's in the next two weeks, that ages 5 to 11 will become fully eligible to get the Pfizer vaccine. It'll be a two-course, two-dose regimen. It's likely going to be just a one-third dose, which is a much, much lower dose, and they've shown that that's providing a lot of immunity. This is important because we're right in the thick of the first semester of school for the year, and it's going to be the season where people catch these rotaviruses, which are like coughing viruses, runny nose viruses, Mm. and everyone's going to think that they have COVID. So it will be a good time to get vaccinated if you believe in it. 60.4% of all of our kids that are uh, 12 to 17 have completed vaccination, and over 70% of them have started it. I think it's going to be a little less than that for 5 to 11-year-olds because, you know, I'm a parent of one, and parents are a little bit more careful with their kids that are 5 to 11. But I do believe the science is there to do it, and our son Sam will get vaccinated. So uh, keep these things in consideration, and it's a good time for people to talk to their pediatricians and have a plan for when that gets approved. Okay. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Um, A question about the trend now here in Hawaii, as you were referencing, you know, the much lower numbers, we were able to come off of that surge pretty quickly. Um, And are you surprised by that? And are we out of the woods right now with those lower numbers? Like how did Hawaii turn the corner quickly on that surge? Well, there's a large story there. So uh, we are definitely on the downside of this slope. And it was about a six week Uh, you know, from the medium part of the surge to the peak and then down again. 
we can definitely see that the decline is real. We also weathered what could have been a terrible storm over Labor Day. So much credit goes to law enforcement and people just making a good decision to not gather. Uh, when I look at it, what I like to do is I like to compare the time around the peak and see how many weeks it has been since we were both kind of at 50 percentile for cases and 50 percentile on the other side. And we are dropping like a rock. We went to 855 for average cases per day, which mm-hmm. is terrible. And the reason it's dropping is twofold. One, a lot of extra people got vaccinated because they were nervous about the Delta variant because it was spreading so fast. And the other reality is that like 35,000 or so people over the course of, say, 60, 70 days caught COVID. I mean, confirmed caught COVID with tests. All those individuals then either had to seek hospital care or began to develop their own immunity and can't catch COVID again right away. So that's why the cases finally burn out. This would happen in Great Britain, Israel, all sorts of different states are seeing the decline in these cases. So it's that combo. And as of now, I mean, yesterday we had 445 cases, which is almost exactly what the seven-day average has been. The day before was a lower number on a, on a uh, Wednesday, 330 and 280 the day before. I think we're going to see these numbers drop down into the 200s and the 100s in the coming week. And that will mean far fewer hospitalizations and eventually far fewer deaths per week. So people did a good job. They made some good decisions. And do I think we could have been a little bit more prescriptive about gatherings? Probably. It was a risk that was taken. But ultimately, it comes down to personal responsibility. And Mm -hmm. When people are are personally responsible during a pandemic, you can see the effects of that. There are other states that did not take these precautions, like Idaho, and they saw a terrible surge in COVID. They went up to 25% positivity rate, or Mm. 5%. Mm. You know, they have to ration care now, which we should never do. That's not part of our value system. So, you know, it's just, it really tells you a lot about a state and its society when people you know, when people make these decisions to be safer for their neighbors and for their family. And we did it. So I hope we'll keep dropping. But that's no reason to start having large gatherings just yet, because if we knock this thing out now and we should, because so many people are immune through vaccination or catching covid, that means we won't have to worry about Thanksgiving and Christmas. I think we can have a really wonderful, normal holiday. And that's the time where people will start healing and we'll be able to, you know, to put this behind us. So that 2022 is not about COVID. Instead, it's about kind of rebuilding our our economy, rebuilding our small businesses, getting our kids back onto the honor roll in schools because they're back in their classrooms. These are the good things in life. So, you know, just keeping the lid on a little longer makes a lot of sense to me. Thanks. Uh, Lieutenant Governor, in alignment with that, um, with the Safe Travels program doing what it does, um, some people are going to say, well, it's because we got rid of all the tourists. That's why our numbers are down so much. Uh, do you have a And certainly sort of there, was that stu- yeah, there was that study yeah, that came out from which right. and, and uh, yeah, those experts talking about we really need to have um, more testing for travelers who are fully vaccinated. Are mm-hmm. we going to see that? Well, number one, those weren't experts. Those were One was a mathematician. The other person is a, a, a decent guy. He's a practicing doc, but he does not work in public policy or public health. And second, that study was deeply flawed. It didn't take in, it was a mathematic modeling study. It was not a study on the ground where we actually measured the cases. So we know that the safe travels actually stop things. And the CDC, that the story unfortunately didn't touch on a thousand different points. The CDC is the one that made the standard for what you're allowed to do, which is 
uses the vaccine cards as the standard of travel. Not a single other state right now is doing anything as far as testing goes. And I like testing. I mean, I'm the, I'm the one who pushed the team to, to get that program going. But these ideas about having a five-day quarantine and then taking another test would mean no one would ever fly here at all. And the cases that were connected to travelers were 1% to 2%. So there was, um, unfortunately, an incredible amount of incomplete coverage, first by the AP, and then uh, other people took up the, the story. But we didn't have any real epidemiologists from Hawaii on it. We didn't have a vibrant discussion, which was unfortunate. And this is not the time to be pointing fingers. It's, it's really quite insane to do that. So there are going to be travelers. It is going to be what stimulates our economy, though we have to be careful about the number of travelers. We still had 21,000 people come in yesterday, and our case counts are dropping. It was the Delta variant that was being spread in community gatherings. That's what caused the spread, not a small handful of people that somehow sifted through the system, even though they were vaccinated and or tested on the day or two before their, their travel. So, unfortunately, we have to... You know, we have to talk about these stories, even though they're utterly incomplete, but it's okay. You know what? Hawaii has the second lowest rate of COVID in the country for the whole pandemic, the second lowest death rate for the country for the whole pandemic. I really don't know what more we can do, except maybe, you know, partner with Vermont and become one state because they're the only state that has slightly lower numbers than us. And I don't think people are suddenly jonesing to annex Vermont into Hawaii. I think we're pretty happy out here in the Pacific with these beautiful, um, you know, beautiful islands and great people. They're kind of the opposite for us as far as weather goes, too. So that'd be really difficult to do, uh, not to mention yeah. physically so far away from us. Uh, Lieutenant Governor Josh Green joining us here. Uh, going again to our Facebook page, uh, Suzette Kataoka is asking, would people under 65 who receive the vaccine shots early also be eligible for the booster? Uh, I received my vaccine shots in the first group of Pier 2 when it was open for people under 65 when I accompanied my, my 92-year-old mother. You bet. So there are circumstances in which, yes, people who are under 65 can get the booster. Uh, if they have chronic disease, like kidney disease or immune compromise, yes. If they are in certain frontline worker groups, which will be, I think, clarified soon by the CDC, uh, that would be also a yes. Like healthcare workers are going to definitely be in that group. Uh, otherwise, people will probably wait a little bit. It's really about risk. And people's immune systems will hold up for much longer than six months after a pair of shots. However, if you're a kupuna and your kidneys aren't working, then your immunity is going to wane quite quickly. So uh, that's the general answer. I don't think we're going to be overly strict about boosters because we do have a a really good supply of vaccine in the state. Mm. But it's better to focus like we did when we rolled out this program, we started this program, which was focus on risks uh, that are the highest. And We want people who are in long-term care facilities to get the booster because they pose a great risk if there's an outbreak. And we want people who just have a higher mortality rate. Anyone over 65 and particularly anyone over 75 has a very high mortality rate if they catch COVID in a breakthrough way. But I was looking at, you know, what is quite a tragic document, which is the the COVID-19 deaths that were reported in the last seven days. And I, I will mention that almost all of them were people somewhere between 18 and 69. And there were heck of a lot of people that were 30, 40, and 50. Most of these individuals, 98%, were completely unvaccinated. Mm. And so it's the unvaccinated individuals right now that I would rather see 
get these shots. Unvaccinated individuals have no inherent immunity. They represent 98% of all of our fatalities and most of our hospitalizations, 87% of our hospitalizations. So uh, if you're older, get the booster shot right now. If you are uh, younger and you have not been vaccinated, go immediately to one of the pharmacies or community health centers or whatever and get vaccinated because it's just it's unbelievable to me to see people at 33, 37, 41 years old end up dying of, of a virus that could be prevented. All right. Thank you, sir. I wanted to ask you about that 70 percent vaccination rate kind of goalpost. So we would be looking at maybe, you know, sometime in October hitting that 70 percent uh, fully vaccinated goalpost, so to speak. Do you feel that the governor is going to stick to that dropping on restrictions at 70 percent or is that goalpost going to move? <laughs> Well, obviously, you'll have to ask the governor that (laughs) as to what restrictions he doesn't want to have. I would say this. He has shared with our team on several occasions that he was worried more about the Delta variant and the way the Delta variant spread through our population. But we will, in three weeks, reach that 70 percent milestone, like you say. We also have initiated vaccination for over 75 percent of the population. So we'll we'll get to that 75 percent threshold sometime in the course of about five weeks. And we're over 90 percent for total initiation uh, for the whole adult population. So we've done well. Here's what I think he's going to do. I think we will, if our case counts continue to drop, which they will, and our hospitalization numbers continue to improve, which they are, he'll probably be able to relax somewhat on the gathering sizes because most people are then uh, somewhat immune. Remember, you're still going to have a lot of cakey that are not vaccinated. Age 5 to 11 won't really get going until late October. So he's trying to protect the schools also, but he'll have to give us updates. I personally recommended that we uh, make clear that vaccination status is a safe way to go about things. So, for instance, if people want to go to high school football games or UH football games, if they're vaccinated, I think it's fine. And we already know that Mayor Rick Langiardi's plans about going to restaurants kind of were enabled by his uh, Safe Oahu plan. So... That's where the policy seems to be moving. 70% in the governor's mind appears to have been based on the previous uh, variant, the the main COVID-19 variant. I'm really happy with where we are, but the last thing I want to see is kind of a repeat surge or a second hump to our hospitalization surge. That was scary. When we Mm -hmm. got to 448 people in the hospital, we were wearing our healthcare system out. And right now we're in the middle of an eight week boost with 650 nurses and respiratory therapists kind of on loan from across the country. We're going to extend some of them. Team is paying for it, but if they go away and it becomes flu season and our hospitals are semi full again, we don't want to see this thing break loose. So I think we all know that governor's uh, pretty conservative on these kind of decisions. Uh, but I, again, I refer you to him. Uh, I'm going to just keep giving you the analytics, and I do think we are in an infinitely better position than we were two weeks ago. What are you going to recommend? Are you going to recommend to the team that the 70 percent uh, you know, uh, point of uh, uh, full vaccination in Hawaii be the point at which all restrictions dropped, or are you going to recommend some, some other form of restriction? Well, I'm certainly going to recommend that we keep in place our, our principle about people needing to use their vaccination status to come into the state of mm-hmm. Hawaii. There's no question about that. And I also like the opportunity for people to test before coming if they're unvaccinated, because I'd like to have that extra protection. And I think it's fair because there are some people who can't just simply can't get vaccinated. 
they have either a religious opposition or they have a health uh, concern. I'm going to leave it to the mayors and the governor to make the final decisions, but we are rapidly pushing toward three quarters of our society with full immunity. And that does not even take into account, you know, the better part of 76,000 people who had COVID. That's another 5% mm-hmm. of our population. So we'll be looking at about 80% of the population being immune. But you guys have to make, you know, make the decisions too amongst ourselves. That still leaves 20% of 1.4 million or 280,000 people that could catch COVID and get sick. That is not in, uh, inconsequential. So I'm almost certain I know what Gov's going to do, but I'm going to let him say it. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> Lieutenant Governor, another question off our Facebook page uh, from Cindy Matsuda. Uh, she's, uh, she asks, are the DOD employee vaccination numbers included in our state's total count and are the military's positive COVID cases included in Hawaii's daily COVID count? Yeah, we've asked them to always include the data and send it over to us. As we know, there can be some challenges in reporting this data in a day-to-day fashion, but I actually went and spent the day with, for instance, the Marine Corps leadership and they've been extremely responsive and gave us all the numbers and have been very, uh, very good partners through this process. So, yes, we do include that. They, of course, are getting vaccinated now rapidly toward 100 percent because of the federal mandate. Uh, so their their statistics have tended to contribute in a positive way and and I guess blunt some of our high numbers because that population of, you know, about 100,000 people have have really taken to heart the need to, you know, to prevent the spread of COVID. Okay. All right. Thank, thank you. you. Um, sir, I wanted to talk to you about uh, or ask you about the Native Hawaiian population and its disproportionate representation in this COVID uh, uh, pandemic. There's a definite over, over-representation in COVID cases, under-representation in vaccines. And I wondered, you know, moving forward, what the state uh, thinks should be done about that, what will be done about that? Well, the state's taking a lot of action on this because these are deeply um, these are deeply entrenched cultural challenges mm-hmm. that have gone on for a long time. The the healthcare disparities that exist between the Hawaiian community and all the rest of the communities in the state have meant that uh, Native Hawaiians have lived in general ten years shorter than the rest of the populations, and that has to do usually with poverty and isolation from healthcare services. Now, in this case, it's been a cultural question because we've put tons and tons and tons of effort and sites to get vaccinated all across underserved regions, whether it's in Kau or in Waianae, Waimanalo, where there are large numbers of, of Hawaiian uh, residents. And there's just somewhat of a reluctance sometimes. I mean, of course, many tens of thousands of Native Hawaiians have gotten vaccinated uh, there's 291,000 Native Hawaiians that live in the state, and that's about 20% of the population. But as you said, the case counts have been higher, the hospitalizations have been higher because fewer people have chosen to get vaccinated, and it's not for a lack of offering. So Native Hawaiian leaders, as you saw, and it was really terrific, Native Hawaiian leaders uh, stepped up and expressed their desire in solidarity to get vaccinated, uh, led uh, by... Senator Kehokalole and Congressman Kai Kahele, amongst others, a lot of our uh, kumus and and uh, and just leaders from all walks of life in the Hawaiian community did make the plea to get vaccinated. But these are hard things to change, and 
you know, that's that's just the reality. Unfortunately, Pacific Islander community has been the same, much smaller part of the population, though, but had a huge percentage of the cases. Uh, and the Filipino community finally has, again, um, there are more Filipinos in the community than there are Pacific Islanders by about four to one, but still a ton of cases because the, you know, the uh, vaccination rate has hovered 10 or 15 percentage points lower than uh, the general population. And that just translates into extra cases. So family members have to encourage uh, their Hawaiian family members to also get vaccinated. We did that. Jamie's Hawaiian, and she convinced all of her aunties and brothers uh, to get vaccinated. And all of them did get vaccinated. So it takes kind of the family motivation also. That's awesome. Sure, Thank you course. very much. As a, as a quick follow-up question, I listened this morning to an interview with the head of um, Native Hawaiian Health over at the Johnny Burns School of Medicine. He was talking about probably one of the biggest stumbling blocks to getting our Native Hawaiian population uh, immunized at the same rate as the general population is, a as you as you have sort of referenced, the, the cultural issue of Hawaiians not trusting government. How do you respond to that? I think it's pretty real. I mean, look, it goes way back. There's been there's distrust because of the overthrow a long time ago, and that's a generational story. Of course, it's become part of the um, the real mythology amongst the Hawaiian community. It's it's a real thing. And then there have been challenges about uh, Hawaiian recognition, and more than that, there's just been kind of an anti-government sentiment in the universe for a while. So. All of those things are very real. Uh, one of our greatest Hawaiian leaders did pass away a few years ago, uh, Senator Akaka. I think he would be right now preaching, I'm, I'm certain that people get vaccinated. And he provided a whole additional level of trust because we had him at the highest level of Hawaii government for decades. Uh, and we're, we're now building a new bench um, in Congressman Kahale and others. But uh, I think these are some realities. You've seen some of the trust realities also drift because of uh, the conflict on Mauna Kea, some promises that were not kept. These are, you know, these are great challenges. You know, my goal, if I'm, you know, if I'm going to continue on in government, uh, perhaps as governor in the future, is to reconcile some of these broken promises. Because the broken promises themselves lead to distrust, and then they have a very palpable outcome, which mm -hmm. is 15% of the extra of the extra vaccinations that could get done don't get done because of what you said exactly. And that translates into fatalities. We've had 115 fatalities amongst the native Hawaiian population uh, just in 2021. So, you know, that's, we could have cut that in half easily. So if these are real world results from a lack of trust, I'll try to restore trust the best I can with my family, but it's a process. It's not something that you get to just flip a switch on and, and have people buy in. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, Lieutenant Governor, before you go, just real quick, you know, in the words of Jim Carrey, so you're saying there's a chance that we could go to a UH game at some point this season? <laughs> I, I feel confident we will be able to go. You know, it's, this is very tough on the team. They, they draw their energy from, from Warrior fans, mm -hmm. you know, and it's, it's kind of unbelievable that we're, if not the only state in the country or one of the only states that's not allowing fans on some level to go. I don't think it makes any sense to pack stadiums full of unvaccinated people to the tune of 100,000 fans. Yeah, those shots, are, those shots are giving me hives, I'm not going to lie. I watch on Saturday and go, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's not good. But 
Um, for us to have vaccinated fans in the stands, maybe spread out a little bit, and certainly family members of all the players uh, and extended family members, that makes all the sense in the world. So we should be doing that immediately. I did send a note over to the governor and the team asking for them to do that. Yeah, I believe that the uh, the president of, of the university also supports a position, something similar to that. And heck, we're, we're at a point now where so many people are vaccinated and we have not had significant clusters in a while. I think we can... Um, to, you know, to echo what you said, chill out a little bit and maybe maybe restore normalcy again in another setting. Not taking a lot of risk, but just beginning to get back to normal. Again, it's a process. And I want, you know, I want people to know that not all is lost through this fall. So high school games, college games, Thanksgiving and Christmas around the corner, just, you know, be relatively careful. But if you're vaccinated, you're pretty darn safe. And that's the that's the take home message. There you go. Thank you. I want to say thank you again. Mahalo Nunui to the Lieutenant Governor of the State of Hawaii, Dr. Josh Green. Mahalo, sir. Hey, mahalo. Have a great weekend, guys. Thank you.